March 1991, start of springtime and the start of spring track. And I was kind of excited. I was a freshman in high school trying to figure out who I was and what I wanted to do. And I had run cross country in the fall of that freshman year, and I enjoyed it, although I was honestly pretty terrible. Probably came in last or second to last on almost every race, except for the finals of the year, which was a 1.5 mile race that I pretty much won the entire race until the last 200 meters because I went the wrong way on the course, but that's a whole other story for another day. At least my cross-country coach, she was excited for me to run track and had every anticipation as she was the long-distance coach for the track team that I was going to be running the one-mile and the two-mile race for the track team. There wasn't a whole lot of long-distance runners, so me running joining that part of the team was important. However, at let's say five foot 11 and three quarters, just shy of six feet and about 130 pounds with extremely long legs. The first day of practice, the sprinting and hurdles coach noticed me as well. Now, he did not know that I couldn't sprint to save my life and to get the idea of me trying to jump over a hurdle while staying in stride was absolutely hilarious. But he walked over to me to try to convince me that I should be a hurdler on the team and not be on the long-distance team. And while he was there trying to convince me, my long-distance coach walked over to me and said, uh, excuse me, what's going on here? And I said, oh, we're just talking about hurdles. She goes, you're not doing hurdles. You're on the long-distance team. And the sprinting coach said, yeah, hold on a second, though. Maybe not. Uh, you know, he's got real long legs. We need someone really good to hurdle. And they actually started debating back and forth in front of me what I was going to run. Not really asking my own input, but just asking their own for what they needed in each of their own teams. Now, I kind of watched this for a minute, and I was a little bit in awe because I was not a great athlete. And yet I had two coaches kind of arguing over which team I was going to join and which I was going to be on. Now, in baseball, I probably used to get chosen last. But now, all of a sudden, I had two people fighting for me to be on their team. And that felt pretty good as a college or a high school freshman. And while this was going on, I heard someone say to me, Hey, Fancher. And I looked over, and this other coach was walking over towards me. And he was the field coach. He said, hey, come here a minute. I want to talk to you. So I walked over, and I talked to him for a few minutes. And he said, you know, why do you want to run? I said, well, I'm a cross-country runner. He said, yeah, you ran cross-country. It doesn't mean you have to run long distance and track. He goes, well, what's the sprinting coach talking about? I said, oh, he wants me to run hurdles. He said, you don't want to run hurdles. You're going to go run those hurdles, you're going to destroy your knees. I said, oh, well, that's why I kind of want to be a long-distance runner. He says, I'm telling you right now, you are missing out on something. I said, well, coach, what's that? He said, you should be doing pole vault. I said, pole vault? He said, coach, I've never pole vaulted before. And what he said to me next was so important. He says, well, Fancher, nobody's ever pole vaulted until they've pole vaulted. I think you need to give it a try. And I said, well, coach, I'm scared to death. Now think about this for a minute. This coach that I didn't even know wanted me to do something that I had no idea about. And that thing that he wanted me to do was actually dangerous because he essentially wanted me to take a pole, run as fast as I could down a little pathway, stick the end of that pole into a pit so that the pole then launches me up over a bar that's eight, nine, 10 feet in the air. And that was terrifying. 
but what he said to me next was so important. You are never going to know if you like it until you try. And you're never going to know how you do it until you do it. So the giant question is this. How do we as parents, teachers, school administrators, policymakers, coaches, how do we prepare our kids for a future that doesn't yet exist? All while making them healthier, more creative, more innovative, better problem solvers, and overall successful contributors to society. That is the question, and this podcast has the answers. My name is Coach Mike, and welcome to the MindFit Method Podcast. So while the moral of this story might be that when you don't know how to do something, you need to overcome the fear of not knowing how to do it, you need to go out and just try it. At the same time, and let me go back for a second, Coach was right, because I wound up um, pole vaulting my entire career, my high school track career, and I wound up loving it. So he was absolutely correct that I would not know if I'm going to like it until I try it and I'm not know how well I'm going to do it until I do it. And I really did enjoy it. I was pretty good at it. I wasn't great, but I did okay. But those words are words that I have thought about at many different points in my life. And, you know, we live in a world today where information is available to us constantly. There's always information around us. There's always the ability for us to be able to go out and learn how to do something. If I need to change a belt on my track, on my lawn tractor, I can go out, I can go on YouTube and watch someone that has made a video and learn how to do it. And now I don't have to pay someone else to do it, which is, you know, for me, a, a great thing. And I've used it at so many different points in my life. I've used it to build decks. The first deck I ever built on the house that uh, my wife and I bought in Pennsylvania, we wanted a deck. I had no idea how to build one. I had never done one before. And I built a beautiful deck. And I've since built more than one because it's something that I found I was actually pretty good at. When you talk about, you know, finishing a room, I've, I've finished two basements in my life um, that both came out really, really good. Things I'm very proud of. I had no idea how to do it. No idea how to do the electric. No idea how to do, how to stud the walls how to do the drywall, um, any of it, how to even map it out. So I, I really took the time to figure out how to do it step by step by step. Um, and the end result was really cool. And one thing that I hear people say all the time, you know, after I wrote the MindFit Method, you know, I had people say, well, how did you, how did you know how to write a book? <laughs> I did it. I had no idea how to write a book. Um, literally, what I wound up doing was writing down the 10 things that I most like to talk about when it came to the topic of what my book was going to be. And what eventually happened is that those 10 points that I most like to talk about in regards to the world of MindFit and the MindFit method wound up becoming the first 10 chapters. And it, I wound up expanding it beyond that. I think in the end, it turned out to be about 17 chapters. Um, but, you know, I had no idea how to write a book. In fact, I didn't write it. As I've said before in other episodes, I wound up dictating the entire book because I found I couldn't sit at a computer when it came to writing the MindFit Method and actually sit and write. Now, as I'm finishing up the new book, The Dopamine Intervention, uh, what I'm finding is for that book, I can't um, talk and dictate it while I'm walking you know, hundreds of miles like I did for the, the MindFit Method. It's a very different situation this time. But... I took my experience that I had in the first time that I wrote a book, which I had never done before. I mean, outside of writing college and high school papers and essays, I had never even written a thesis. So I had no idea how to write that long of a document. Um, now I find myself not only finishing 
the new book, The Dopamine Intervention, but I have two more that I have expectations of releasing this year. And that all came, you know, if you think about it, back in 2020, when I was writing The MindFit Method, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea how to go out and find an editor. I had no idea how to go out and actually format the book so it actually fit the types of pages that you need for a you know five by eight and a half book or five and a half by eight book. I had no idea how to do all of that. And because of the information that we have available to us today, literally at our fingertips, you can pretty much learn how to do anything. The hardest part is overcoming the fear of actually taking that first step. That's always the hardest part because we don't know. And what we have to realize is that number one, you're gonna make mistakes. Number two, when you make those mistakes, you just need to learn from them. I, I said this before, um, you know, you have to be able to take your failures and learn from them. And recently, I don't know if you guys saw, but Elon Musk's uh, $3 billion space rocket, the largest rocket ever built, um, had a successful launch off of the pad. This was just a few weeks ago, a couple uh, days, weeks, something like that ago. Time all blends together. But his rocket launched, and about a minute into the launch, the rocket blew up. A $3 billion rocket blew up. And I actually did a, a Facebook reel about this. And, you know, I wondered, how do you cope with that failure? How do you cope with the failure that you just literally incinerated $3 billion? And that's not a, you know, a play on words. Literally, uh, you just burned $3 billion in a matter of seconds. And what's incredible is that he had done, Elon Musk did a, uh, he did a interview once and they were asking him about, what he what he felt the chances were that both Tesla and SpaceX were actually going to be um, successful, and his answer was truly an insight into how he copes with such failures. Because his answer was this: He goes, "Look, he goes, I didn't expect them to be successful. In fact, I figured there was a ninety percent probability that both of them were going to fail." So he took risk on doing something that literally had a 10% chance of success, which sounds crazy, right? Why would you take on, you know, whether it's creating a huge company, whatever it is, trying to be a NFL football player, whatever it is, why would you do that with only a 10% uh, chance of it actually becoming to fruition? And I laugh at the same time because hundreds of millions of people do that every day when they walk into a grocery store and they buy a lottery ticket. So in that lottery ticket, you're taking the time to go over, spend money on something that literally has like a one in a hundred you know, million chance of actually being successful. Well, one in a hundred million chance is a lot less than Elon Musk's 10% chance of being successful. But the key is that what he has found is that it's not always about making the right decision. Number one, it's about making a decision and actually taking action on that decision. Number two, it's about making your decision right even after it was wrong initially. Now, The MindFit Method is a book that I'm very proud of. It's something that I kind of express my heart and soul, and I shared a lot of personal things in The MindFit Method, not only about myself, but about my family and the, the struggles that we went through uh, that, kind of came, that kind of brought The MindFit Method into existence. Um, but you know, I know that that is probably not going to be my best book. It was my first one. And anytime we do something the first time, we're generally pretty terrible at it. And we have to be okay with that. 
The hard part is that when we live in this world today of social media, self-validation, all of that, and an Instagram world where every picture is perfect, every video is perfect, everyone just looks so happy, we then create these expectations for ourselves that if I'm going to do something, it needs to be perfect right out of the gate. And guys, that's just not the case. It's never going to be that way. And that's okay. We need to be okay with the fact, number one, that we've made a decision of what we're going to do. Number two, that we actually took action on that decision. And number three, that we have the time and the effort and we take responsibility if that decision fails to then learn from it and then make it right. And my journey with MindFit is literally you know, that, that situation. My journey with MindFit is I had dreams and goals of an unbelievable facility uh, that was state-of-the-art, that would help kids uh, exercise, learn how to exercise, incorporate it into their day, and then learn the world of STEM. And COVID killed it. So there was a complete you know, change in what I had to be able to do to, to continue to have MindFit go forward. And what came of that failure was a book, was a podcast, was now you know, speaking at school districts and businesses is now a second book getting ready to come out and then a third and a fourth. So, you know, you have to, I had no idea when I started MindFit back in 2017 that I would be sitting here today recording a podcast that's over 30 episodes in and has been listened to over 18,000 times, which is just amazing to me. It absolutely blows my mind. Um, I had no idea that I would write one book or two books or anything like that, never my intention. But to go back to what my field coach told me that day, you don't know how you're going to do until you do. You don't know if you're going to like it until you try it. And I think it's just so hard sometimes for us to, number one, put in the time, the energy, the resources, and the acceptance as we start something new that what we're starting might fail. Um, that is difficult, but it doesn't mean you don't do it. Because you know what? What can be even more difficult, and I know I've, I've talked to so many people over the years that have this situation, especially in the world of fitness and trying to live a healthy lifestyle. If someone has tried to lose weight in the past and they did, and then it kind of failed, and then they gained the weight back or gained even more weight back than what they initially had wanted to, they will often say, you know, oh, I've tried diet and exercise and it just didn't work. And then they realize, okay, maybe it's not that it didn't work. Maybe it was me. Maybe it was something that I did or I wasn't consistent. I wasn't pushing myself hard enough. You know, I didn't really make it a priority in my life. I tried to add it into my day instead of build my day around it, whatever it may be. And then they go for shot number two and then they try it again. That one's even further because the first time you do it, you're not sure if you're going to fail or not. The second time you do it, you already know you failed once. But because you failed once, you need to look back. You need to use the process of elimination to figure out what went wrong the first time. And then you need to move forward. And don't do the same thing again. The definition of insanity is doing the same exact thing and expecting a different result. Don't do the same thing. You've got to look at it from a standpoint of how am I going to do this? How am I going to approach this? How am I going to learn this? How am I going to take action on these tasks, but actually be successful this time? What am I going to make sure I don't do, which is what I did last time? Because, you know, we there's look, there's only 24 hours in a day, right? And because there's only 24 hours in a day, we continue as a society to try to keep adding things to our day. And then we say, I don't have time. I can't add this extra thing to my day. You can't add anything to a, to a full glass. 
If a glass is completely full of water, you can't pour more water into it. The first thing you have to do if you want to put fresh water into that glass is you need to remove some of the other water. And our lives and our time in our lives is exactly the same. You need to use the process of elimination to say, what are the things that I am doing? What are the habits that I am doing that are not working? And if those things are taking up time, but they're not making me productive, then those are the things that I need to change. In fact, I heard a a uh, quote recently from James Clear. He is the author of Atomic Habits, which is a book that if you have not read, I strongly recommend. It's fantastic. And I actually talk about it a little, a little bit in my new book, The Dopamine Intervention. Um, but he has this quote and he says, you know, you are the average of the five habits that you do most, which is a great piece of advice. Look at yourself. What are the five things you do most each day? You are the culmination of those habits. And if those habits are not good habits, then you're probably not happy where you're at. You're probably not feeling successful. Um, but if those five habits are right on or four out of those five habits are right on, then you're probably well on your path to success, to achieving whatever you're trying to achieve. You just got to be able to look first and say, what do I need to cut out? What do I need to eliminate in my life before I add something else? But you can't say, okay, I'm going to eliminate that in a month or two or something like that. If you're going to make it a priority, if it is important to you, then you need to do it. You need to eliminate, then you need to add, and you need to take action. You need to make those decisions and you need to go for it. You can't just sit back and wait for that perfect time to happen because that perfect time is not going to happen. So in the end, the moral of this story, to go back to what my field coach said in my freshman year of uh, track, is you need to take that step. You need to take action. You need to do the only way you are over going to come your fear of trying something new is to try it. There's no magic trick. There's no shortcut. The only way that you are going to figure out whether or not you can do something, whether you like to do something, is to do it. But also realize that when you first do it, you may not be very good at it, and that's okay. Just like the first time you ever got on a bicycle, probably less than 1% of people, the first time they get on a bike, nail it in the first shot. I remember I fell down a hill. We had a slope in the front of our house. It was a grass slope. And that's where I learned to ride a bike. And I probably fell off that bike just going down that hill dozens and dozens of times until I figured it out. And then all of a sudden it clicked, but it didn't on the first time. It did it on the second. It didn't on the 10th and it probably didn't on the 20th, but it did finally click. And then I was able to ride a bike. It's no different when you do anything else. You're not going to be great at it at the beginning, but it doesn't mean you don't do it. So overcome your fears and try that thing that you want to try that's new because you never know. You might find your own thing to do, like I did with pole vaulting, that you wind up loving, but you're never going to know until you start. Hey guys, I hope you liked this episode. It was a lot of fun for me to kind of go back and reminisce a little bit about a time and kind of make fun of myself when I was a freshman track runner. If you did like this episode, please share it with a friend. That sharing helps us spread the word. We have crossed over the 18,000 mark, over the 18,000 listens of the MindFit Method podcast, which is ecstatic. And check me out on Instagram, Mike Fancher Official. And thanks so much for listening, guys. And until next time.